Well, let me read some scriptures for you first, uh, uh, if we would, up there, and uh, so you get a little idea where we're going. This, of course, is one of my favorite scriptures. Uh, uh, you've heard me say that before, but, and this is kind of the foundation of what we're going to be talking about. But now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it references who he is. He is, he is the God of hope. That's where hope comes from. Uh, you know what I mean? To abound in hope. There, there's an accompaniment, a commodity. I, no, excuse me, not a commodity. Uh, there is that element of God uh, that uh, happens to be joy and peace. Joy, of course, is the supernatural power of God. You know, peace is, in by and large, is a faith that is not in conflict. All right? Faith that is not in conflict, you know. Whenever, t- today we, we know our world is, is really not in peace. There's just a lot of conflict, okay? Well, when it, when it begins to talk about within the framework, you know, of our faith, it's when it's not in conflict. It's, it has a confident, you know, a stableness to it. It is not double-minded. It is not, you know, questioning, but it's trusting fully, Okay, so Paul, uh, you know, says that this, 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 uh, to, a, to have a hope that is, where we're abounding in it, you know, takes the supernatural power of God, which is the Holy Spirit, okay, and then that our faith is solid and secure. We are, we are not in doubt, we are not in unbelief. And uh, uh, so it, it, it shows that there is a, there is a, you know, a, a, a filling that the more those develop, the more, you know what I mean, uh, there is of that hope that is uh, abounding, okay? This is, this is talking about Abraham now, who contrary to hope, believed in hope. That's the kind of faith that has been deposited in you and I. Abraham is the father of faith that we refer to, you know, and uh, uh, that's the kind of faith that he eventually got to. The development of his faith, eventually, you know what I mean, where, where uh, you know, circumstances, you know what I mean, and, and the, the elements, the natural elements, <laughs> you know, he didn't even pay attention to them. He just purely paid attention to the promise and the promiser, all right? And as a result, he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Uh, Just always remember that the beginning of the blessing is not the finalization of the blessing. He started out with just one son, but he ended up having, you know, many nations, both naturally and and spiritually. But you got to get the one done before we can get the two. The three, the four, all right? Absolutely, hallelujah. So, all right. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Okay, Romans 15, 4, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning. We just read some of those things, the story of Abraham, etc. It was written, you know, so we can learn that through the patience and comfort of scriptures, we might have hope. (laughs) That we might have hope. 
You're familiar with the passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that says, Now abide of faith, hope, and love or charity. And the greatest of these, of course, is, is love. We see a threefold cord, a strong rope, strong rope for rough seas. They not only connect us to God, they form the fabric that weaves us together. We are called to live according to the influence and guidance of all of these. Faith, hope, and love. Guidance and influence. These three are essential to keep us on course so we don't shipwreck. One of the things that the Bible speaks about is on belief. We've all been there. Limited faith. Sometimes you mean just total unbelief. But why we don't want unbelief in our lives is because it keeps or puts the circumstances between us and God. And wherein faith puts God between us and the circumstances. And hope holds us together when everything seems to be caving. And love, of course, is the bond that holds everything together, and it really speaks about covenant. Covenant. It's not just a, you know, an element of, of feeling. It is a proclamation, a promise, or a declaration. Okay? So when he says, faith, hope, and love, he's talking about, you know, a covenant also that is made. But we've all traveled in this route on the road and at times in the seasons of discouragement and depressing news. At times it threatens to flood our soul. The soul is a very real part of us. I would that thou would prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. How your soul is doing is going to tremendously affect your faith and your, your hope. But when our soul is threatened, we need God's help to lift our hearts, to lift our heads, and to lift our hands. When the circumstances alarm you, when the winds seem to be contrary and blow at your stability. There are some things that Paul said are valuable at those moments. And while sometimes we frown upon them, he says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15, sometimes there's some traditions you need to get a hold of, which were taught by the word and the epistles. Take hold of something fast. The word of God. Amen? You know, those things that, that you've learned, you know, to help you to function in life. You want to grab a hold of them and you want to keep them operative until the storm breaks. And the new posture of life is 
made apparent. And so there's that, he's, that the thing about holding to, to God's, you know, word. We're not foreign to fear, and fear is, is often, you know, in conflict with faith. Fear's got to be cast out. I think it takes more than in Jesus' name and a prayer. Because <laughs> faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. To eradicate, you know, that fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Wants to invade in our lives. And build positive Christian hope in its place. I have so many notes. I think that we need to move beyond maintenance. Move beyond maintenance. And we need to have a spiritual reformation. You've heard the phrase, and we talk about Martin Luther's reformation of the just shall live by faith, but I think the spiritual reformation that would help us today, and, and that's the word of God is, and, and this is that, that, that God worketh in you both the will and to do of his good pleasure. I'm preaching out of process and development in my own life. But spiritual reformation is to focus on discovering God. In the midst of the moment and embracing the mystery of the unknown, you will not always be able to answer all your questions. But faith is, you know, does not have to have all the answers. And so that's why, you know, we want to develop our. Our faith. Hope is always on the scene when God is present. And God is always present because He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and He will never leave you nor forsake you. So hope is always readily available in the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hope is a driving force of everyday living. It lifts us from the rubbles of failure, the power of it, of pain, of fear. Power of hope is, is probably no greater power that can be expressed in our life than the power of hope because it's attached to God is attached to the Holy Spirit. You hear about faith and hope, and by, by and large, they're, in, they're, not, they're inseparable. If you're going to have faith, then you're going to have to have a target. Faith must have a target so that you can move in boldness, so you can move into the blessing. That's waiting for you. Abraham moved with boldness into the blessing. 
Oh. Hope is the road. Faith is the victory. For victory, you have to continue to travel on the road of hope. Hope is the raw material of which faith builds its house. It is. Talk about raw material. Hope is that raw material. Hope is something that envisions something not yet true. It's an expectation. Without hope, we're sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So we want to take some medicine today to build our hope, to get the sickness out of our soul. What are your symptoms, the doctor says? Because he wants to diagnose what is the sickness. Despair. Oh. Discouraged. Okay. And the list could go on. And so he comes up with a diagnosis. The doctor this week, an unexpected thing happened to me, and I'm going to tell it so I get your sympathy. <laughs> I went in for just a conventional eye checkup because I hadn't had checked up for three years, and the doctor looks at my eye, and of course, sometimes if you see one eye look and I only read you know, one cross-eyed, it's because this one's doesn't see. So he gets to just kind of play and do anything he wants to do. <laughs> you know? He doesn't have any target. But I walked in there and he looks at it and he notices something and this is my good eye and he's a little concerned about it. And so he checks and he rechecks. And he says, you know, he says, I see something but I'm not really sure about it. So I'm going to make an appointment you're going to go see a specialist. He gets on the phone even just while I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, you know, this very high-profile eye doctor is, you know, he tells him his case and tells him my situation because I've only got one eye, not two eyes. I got two eyes, but seeing through them, you see him, you know what I mean? So I see through one. So he opens the door, I travel up to his office, and he takes a look, and he says, yep, you got a torn retina. Unexpected. But he diagnosed it as he, you know, began to eliminate and also began to, you know, compare what it is that would make a... Needless to say, before I left there, you know, he had taken care of it. Yeah, amen. Divine intervention. Divine intervention. 
but a diagnosis. Diagnosis of hopelessness, the diagnosis of faith taking a hit. And that's what he's after, church. He's after your hope and your faith. See, he can't do anything about your salvation. That's been secured. That's been settled. But he sure can wreak havoc with your life. Because your heart and your soul and your faith, you know what I mean, are all contributing factors to living your life. Living your life practically and living your life, you know what I mean, spiritually. It is. So we want to build our hope and build our faith. And so important because hope helps you have the capacity to see what the natural eye cannot see. It's not something that's blind that you jump into the darkness, but it's a confident leap, literally, into the arms of God. It rests in expectations is based upon the word of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. It's the conviction that no matter the circumstances, God's plan for our lives is good. Not disaster, but good. To give you a future and a hope. And I know the devil says, you've heard that. But here's what Jesus does. He gives you endless hope rather than hopeless ends. Abraham, who against hope, believed in hope. The level of faith that it does not even entertain what he knows is for real. He knows for real. Hope that gives you drive. Hope that gives you strength. Hope that inspires for good. And literally has the power to reverse what is bad. Why do you need hope? Because you live life through inspiration. You live life through inspiration. And Christ's death and his resurrection guarantees us that the promises that he has made, you know, is secure. He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Oh, that word freely does not just simply mean that he paid for it. 
It means that he is enthusiastically, you know what I mean, trying to go ahead and give it away. Faith sometimes look back and it takes its stand upon God's history, God's yesterday, God's love in Christ's death. And it has the power to look forward into the future. And because of his faithfulness of the past, it has confidence to believe It is no secret what God can do, what he's done for others, he'll do for you. God says, I'm no respecter of persons. I want to encourage you this morning that faith is valuable and it's very important. It has a major effect on your life. It has the ability to bring the promises into the arena of your life and my life. Or it also has the detriment of keeping it at a distance. And that's not determined, that's not, that's, he, he's not saying that to, to make it a negative. He's trying to clear it up. Only believe in all things are possible, only believe. And be not soon shaken in your faith. I've discovered that sometimes my faith gets shaken. And so what do I do? I have to work on that. And I start by my personal acknowledgement and my personal confession and my personal repentance. And I start to rehearse because these things were written for my learning. so that I could get hope restored in my life. Oh, yes. I'm a pastor. Forty-five years. I still can improve my faith. I still need to pay attention to my hope. What can cause your hope to sour? What can, can make your hope disabled? What can derail your hope? Or one, it's when we hope in the wrong things. Just like the willpower, hope can easily be drained and depleted. Sometimes walking through pain and defeat and failure can be heart-wrenching. 
But let me tell you something. Failures are signs of life. Don't be so hard on yourself. It shows that progress is being made. It was the great Abraham Lincoln. And I forget the number of failures that he had. The great inventors all went through failures, but progress is made because I'm learning what's not working so I don't have to repeat the same thing, the same mistakes. We place our hope in material world and what we see and what we can taste and what we can touch and what we feel. It's the natural way. But something has happened in our life. Something has changed in our life. We're, we're not no longer just attached to the natural. We're attached to the spiritual. But we haven't been divorced from the natural. We haven't been, you know, separated from the natural. And so, therefore, there is a competition. Abraham experienced it in his life this, to take the natural way out. Disabled him, but it didn't disqualify him. True faith and true hope begins and is sustained through relationship. The idea of of the word is to get in you, but not just to know it, but to receive him who is the word. It's relationship. Relationship. And so what do I do? And, And I'm sure, you know, please don't think that I'm putting myself on a pedestal. I just start spending more time with him. When my faith is just, you know, not right where it should be, I just start to spend more time with him. Now, because, you know, I know the word. The word comes to me. Now, if you don't know the word, then you need to open your Bible. Somebody help me out here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, see, it says that the Holy Spirit will bring the, to remembrance the things that God has spoken to you. And most of the time, when he speaks to you, and once in a while, it's out here like he did this morning in, in a couple of things. But most of the time, it's, it's what's already written. Is he used, you know, the physician, or Luke and, and Matthew to write it, and we're still reading it. So you open your book. But sometimes you just got to go ahead and just... Take some quiet time in his presence. Life can so busy you. And I'm not going to tell you how to balance that one. You know what I mean? But Jesus did address it one time. And he said with Mary and Martha, he says, sometimes you just got to stop. 
Don't go overboard, but let the dishes go. Yeah. Yeah, let's see. We've got to have something for the men now. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You just got to spend time in his, his presence. I don't know how that translates. Everybody does that differently. And when you do that, you're going to find out, you know, some interesting things. But sometimes what causes our hope to, to sour is we become disappointed with God when our expectations do not match his sovereign purpose. In Luke chapter 24, on the road to Emmaus is a, a tremendous story. And two disciples... And they're despondent and they're discouraged. They have received reports. You know, it's been made plain to them that the tomb is empty. However, they have not seen him personally. And so as they are conversing, we know that Jesus comes up alongside of them and begins to talk with them and intentionally withholds himself of them knowing who he is. But as they are talking, he says, I, I want to know, why are you so despondent? And of course, they began to tell him and said, you know, what, are you a stranger here? Don't you know what has happened? He said, Jesus of Nazareth, who we hoped would be the, you know, the Savior and who would we hoped was going to set up his, his kingdom. They've taken, crucified him. <coughs> what happened? They focused on part of the word and not all of the word. They focused on his glories and not his sufferings. He said, what? Don't you know that it was necessary that Christ should suffer and die? Oh, hallelujah. And so what does he do? He starts at Moses. And he begins to teach them. And I want you to see this. They focused on the glories and not the process. You will always have suffering before you get the glories. Somebody give the Lord a praise. I'll tell you what, church, this is right. If you want the glories, you're going to have to go through the sufferings. Now, what does that translate? What does that mean? You know, everyone, it's different. But in Christ's realm, in order for him to get to the glory of the resurrection, he had to experience the suffering and the agony of the grave, right? Absolutely. He always kept in focus the glories but what helped his hope and his faith was he understood the whole. 
they overlooked the scriptures about his suffering. They overlooked them. And so the imbalance began to, you know, affect their faith. He says, you did not believe all the prophets had said. You didn't pay attention to all that they said. And man shall not live by bread alone, but by (coughs) every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, God is gracious and God is like a parent. The expectations, you know, change as you grow and as you mature. You don't expect from a four and five-year-old what you expect from a 10, 11, and 12-year-old. And so it graduates on up. How is it that you should be teachers and yet you need somebody to teach you? Kind of behind the eight ball. You may be disappointed in God when the spiritual highs end and you don't go on in faith, in word, and in fellowship with other believers. Here's Elijah. He's having the, probably one of the greatest days of his life on Mount Carmel. I believe there are seven or eight hundred of them. There's 400 prophets of Baal. And then there's, you know, quite a few other personnel there. And, you know, the challenge is, and he comes out, you know, looking really good. Working, and then all of a sudden he gets a text message from Jezebel. You better run. Because your life is going to be like the life of the prophets before the sun goes down. Oh, man. Talk about it from a high to a low. You know what I mean? From a warrior to a wimp. Man. And he runs and he flees. And God has to finally find him in a cave hiding and he has to rescue him, which he always does. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Maybe, maybe that's in order. What are you doing there? Well, God, let me tell you. I, I, I just stood the test of time right in the midst of the most difficult things. And you know what I mean? And there was nobody holding my hands up. And I was just, you know what I mean? I survived this. And, you know, nobody really gave me any credit. And, you know. And 
Am I the only one that that happens to? <laughs> Are you guys just so mighty that you never, you never ever go there? <laughs> well, you do, and you have, because you say, why does this happen to me? Why doesn't God do it this way? Why did God do it that way? So it, we just, it all comes down to play just in little different terms. See, but God is not, he, you know, he's trying to get to us, but he's not condemning us. He's trying to deliver us. He's got another appointment for you. He's got another job. I got to get you out of the cave. Your faith and hope is, you know what I mean? It's soured and it's put you in a cave. I'll have to make this a two-part series <laughs> because I'm on page three <laughs> and I've got 15, so. <laughs> Faith and hope. Now, i ask my musicians to come if I could this morning. Maybe you're confusing the darkness that the grave brings, and you cannot see that the darkness is really the darkness of a womb. The grave. And this darkness was not the darkness of a grave. It was the darkness of the womb for Jesus Christ. Your darkness, because you're in Jesus Christ, is not the darkness of a grave. It is the darkness of a womb. It is the hope or hope is the birthplace of possibilities and great tomorrows. It's a birthplace. Something is trying to come forth. And I'm going to tell you what, what I know for sure it is. Before it's an item, it's faith. It's hope. It's giving birth to, you know, an unshakable faith, an undisturbed hope. A birthplace of possibilities. You remember the story of Rahab the harlot. Rahab the woman of faith. 
and how she hid the spies and made an agreement. And when they come in to conquer the land, and she, they said, you know what I mean? There will be an identifying thing here. Because houses were all across the walls of the cities in that, that, those days. Wasn't her, hers was not the only house. So which house is, is hers? So she gets the favor. So she becomes part of the promise. And did you know that the Hebrew word that's translated cord literally is hope. It's translated hope. She let down the cord of hope to identify that she, you know what I mean, was an inheritor. She was to be connected to the promise. Look what happens when the court of hope is put into a, an individual's life like someone like Rahab or anybody. Rahab marries an Israelite named Salmon. They had a son named Boaz who married Ruth. You'll remember the connections now. Who had a son named Obed. Who had a son named Jesse. Who had a son named David. Who became king of Israel. And began to set the precedence in the platform for the one and only Savior and King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Give the Lord a praise this morning. All because... Hope. The God of hope filled her that she with joy and peace began to abound in the generations. Not only saved her life, it saved us and you and, and I. The womb, the darkness that you might be experiencing is the darkness of a womb to birth the possibilities. All because you belong to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ has committed himself to your life in my life. Oh, hallelujah. It's greater than the commitment of a mother in a father. And even as great as that is, it's greater than the commitment of a friend. The Bible says that some friendships are so strong that they'll actually lay down their life for one another. But that's within the framework of friendship. Jesus says, I'll lay down my life for my enemies. 
with the hope of beginning a new fabric for their life. Now, where does this lead to? God does not simply want you and I to get our hope raised for ourselves. He wants us to become agents of hope. Agents of hope. It was Peter that says, you need to be able to translate what is this hope that you got when you come into the presence of somebody that's it's interesting to them what is the difference for reason of hope that's within you hope is making such a difference in their life that all of a sudden they're being attracted And I believe that God is wanting us to rise so that we become agents 